Musically Speaking on 91.9 KVCR. I'm Margaret Worsley, Associate Professor of Music at San Bernardino Valley College. Today I'll be speaking with Josh Nelson about his latest performance here in San Bernardino, the joy of working with friends, and what he learned as the pianist for Natalie Cole. But first, I get to chat with Nick Gomez, Valley College jazz professor who's stirring things up for jazz here in the IE and working on a new album. Nick Gomez is a Southern California woodwind player who performs with the groups Cold Duck, Poncho Sanchez, Breakestra, the Nick Gomez Quartet, and many others. Nick's jazz groups can be heard at venues throughout the greater Los Angeles area and feature a variety of incredible local talents. As an adjunct professor here at San Bernardino Valley College, Professor Gomez applies his professional experience to teaching history of jazz, history of rock and roll, jazz improvisation, and applied woodwinds. His rigorous curriculum focuses on sound development, sight reading, improvisation, and doubling. Nick Gomez is stirring things up for jazz in the Inland Empire, and I cannot wait to chat with him about it. Thanks, Nick, so much for joining us today in the KVCR studio. Thank you, Maggie. Thanks for having me. Um, You've got an impressive and far-reaching bio, but your roots are here in the Inland Empire. Can you share with us just a little bit about your local background and maybe where you grew up, where you went to school? Yeah, that's right. I was born in Upland, California, which is where I still live now, and um, went to uh, you went to school there. You know, so I went to Baldview Elementary and Upland Junior High and Upland High School, and you know that's kind of how I got into playing music was in the school band and stuff. And um, you know, since then, you know, I've kind of like been, you know, trying to you know do as much of what I can do here, you know, where I live and where all my family lives and stuff. Um, so this is a very important place to me. That's awesome. You're invested. Yeah. And didn't you go to uh, CBU? Um, I went to, no, I went to Azusa Pacific for okay. my undergrad, and then I went to Cal State Fullerton. Awesome. That's great, great schools for jazz. Um, we're going to talk a lot about just a variety of projects that you're spearheading locally in the jazz scene. Um, can we first talk about the upcoming Garcia Center Masterclass series? Uh, what's that about, and what was your inspiration for collaborating with the center? Yeah, so that kind of plays right into what I was talking about. You know, um, the reason I started talking to the Garcia Center about doing an event there uh, or a jazz event there was because, you know, growing up here, like in the Inland Empire, um, there weren't a lot of opportunities to see, like, high-level live music you know um at least not many that i was very aware of um so i think once i went to college was when i started to really experience that kind of stuff it's just it's very far you know driving to los angeles is very far and it's very expensive a lot mm-hmm. of the time so i wanted to have something especially for my students here at sbbc to be able to like you know experience what i experienced when i started to go and see live music and and you know understand what people were doing out there um, understand how the art works so the event that we're putting on is going to be on the last Thursday of this month I believe that's September 29th Um, yes that's right so this is gonna be on September 29th from 7 to 9 and it's going to be a jazz performance followed by a master class and it'll be with my quartet and we're going to be joined by a guest artist, a saxophone player named Daniel Rotem. He's a world-class musician. He was part of the Herbie Hancock Institute, oh, back wow. when it was called the uh, Thelonious Monk Institute, mm-hmm. and uh, you know has several uh, award-winning albums out and is featured in like jazz festivals and like you know all these big jazz publications and concerts here in Los Angeles. He's originally from Israel, so he has that kind of background. Uh, too, you know, um, which makes his music very interesting and creative. And he's just he's just one of my favorite musicians. So we're super lucky to have him. Um, he's going to perform with us. We're just going to call tunes, really, um, not playing any original compositions or anything like that. We're just going to draw from the repertoire, mm. play some stuff. Um, and then that's going to be followed by a master class in which he'll talk about everything he does improvisation composition you know playing in an ensemble and the idea is for students to be able to come and you know ask questions and maybe even get up and play and uh, be able to learn from a master musician Um, so 
once again, that's on September 29th. There, um, there are tickets available. I think it's $5 for students and $10 for everyone else. And, uh, you know, the idea, we're, gonna, we're trying to fill up the room. So I think we've got a capacity of like 50 people. So we want to get 50 people in there. So it's a nice, a nice good crowd. Um, if you want to find out more about that, I think you should probably go and, you know, check out the Garcia Center mm-hmm. online. And uh, you, could, you could also get in touch with me. You know, if you have any questions about that, you could uh, look on my website for my contact information or, you know, want to send me an email, that's ngomezmusic at gmail.com. And we'll be sure to get you in there. And really, you should check out Daniel. His name is Daniel Rotem. He's fantastic. That is so awesome. It, that concept is one of my favorite things about being a musician um, in that you can just pick the people and the friends that you really admire and love their musicianship and say, hey, you want to collaborate and make it work. So good on you. That's really, really cool. Well, and it's one of the things that I love about jazz. It's something that I kind of try to explain to my jazz history students and my jazz improvisation students is that this is a kind of music that is about um, diversity, really. It's mm-hmm. about people coming together and bringing in their own experiences and their own ideas and, you know, and then kind of like working from just a general pool of music that can be played. So when really when it's at its best, I think jazz is, it feels like a conversation between friends, you know, everyone just expressing themselves completely and, uh, you know, coming from wherever they're at. Mm-hmm. Oh, I love that so much. Um, now, this event isn't just for students, right? So if you have, um, if we have jazz enthusiasts in the public, are they welcome as well? Absolutely. Cool. All right. And will you have that Eventbrite link maybe on your website if they want to find you that way? Or? I will try to find a way to get that up there. Or again, emailing me would be a good way to get it uh, from me. <laughs> um, so, uh, yeah, that it, that I'm going to try to get that up on my website (laughs) yeah right right now my website is a little bit on the fritz no way i thought it looked great i was uh low-key stalking you uh earlier just to get some info so yeah no it's great it's nice to have all this information up so yeah we're in 21st century marketing land totally everyone has to deal, deal with that um that's great um you've got another community collaboration here in san bernardino and that's a monthly residency at viva la boba Can you tell us a little bit more about that project and what that vibe is all about? Yeah. Once again, this is all about just bringing the music to this community, Mm -hmm. right? And so Viva La Boba was very gracious to have my trio come and play there once a month. We were planning on the first Monday of every month, but because of scheduling, I think we're going to try to move it to Tuesdays. Um, But that said, the next one is this coming Monday. We had to postpone it a week because it was so dang hot last week. Oh, my gosh. Um, But the idea is, you know, we're just going to, once again, we're going to get together and play some tunes right outside, um, like on the patio there. And uh, usually, you know, if you are local and you play and you know some tunes from the standard repertoire, then come by and ask if you can sit in. And more than likely, you will be able to. And, uh, you know, you'll be able to get to know professional musicians and students in the area and hopefully we can build a nice little community around those kinds of things dude you are so inclusive i love it that is fantastic so um listeners wanting to hear you at viva la boba they can just show up at viva la boba is that other than this monday uh the first tuesday of the month and your crew will be there the plan is the first tuesday of every month from um 6 to 8 p.m. But it, the first, again, once again, if you want to come sooner than later, then it, your uh, best shot is going to be coming on Monday night, um, this coming Monday night, 6 o'clock. Awesome. Um, it's pretty incredible to attend your performances and listen to you play. Um, but one component I appreciate as a teacher is watching how you create opportunities for your students. I was able to attend the last Viva La Boba session you had and was so impressed not just with the quality of musicianship from all of your players, but you brought a couple of students into the fold on a few of those sets and we could witness the learning happening in such a beautiful and organic way. And I I just think it highlights one of the special qualities about you. You're just extremely talented 
with music making, but also have um, a, de a dedication to share, to educate others. Um, has education and the component of education always been something that resonated with you, or is it a part of your life that has slowly evolved? Well, it's something that has always been pretty important to me. I've been teaching private lessons since I was 16, mm -hmm. um, so going on 15 years now. And um, it's, you know, for me, it's just, I don't think that music, and specifically this music, jazz music, which is, you know, our Native American art form, not, not Native American, but Native to this country, American, mm. uh, should not be limited to the people who can afford fancy lessons or who can afford to go to a fancy school or people who were born into families that already do this. It should be for everyone, you know. And so for me, I've kind of had to bite and scratch my way into being able to, you know, be in this line of work. And uh, I can, you know, I always appreciate when I see other people who just really, really want to do this, even if they don't necessarily have all the resources. And so that's kind of what's inspired me to, like, always be, you know, seeking out people who are passionate and trying to give them the tools that they need. Mm. And so it, that's been education for me. Yeah, it, it comes so naturally to you. I mean, the inclusivity and the mentorship um, and the sharing of, of ideas and music and all of it. It's, it's really cool to be around. Um, you mentioned, so you have an upcoming project, an album project with your quartet. Can you let us know what that looks like for you and your group? Yeah. Um, so my working quartet, I... I I lead several different small groups, right, with all different configurations and uh, all different personnel, just kind of depending on the gig or whatever. But um, the group that I work with most often consists of myself, um, my friend Zach Kaplinger, who is um, a jazz guitar teacher at Cal State Fullerton, um, and uh, a bassist named David Reynoso, and a drummer named Carl Galagian that I actually met just by going to open jam sessions and community events, you know. Um, so we've, I think we've got a nice solid sound. Um, if you want to look us up, we're on YouTube. We got actually got some more videos coming out of the stuff that's going to be on the album. You can look up Nick Gomez Quartet. But um, we do. We have an album that is going to be hopefully coming out early next year. We actually just finished recording sessions for that. And we've got seven original tunes, three tunes that I composed, three by Zach and one by David. And I think we've got a good variety of stuff. Um, uh, once again, the, the reason that I play with these guys is because everybody just plays so generously and serves the music so, um, you know, uh, selflessly, mm. you know. So I think we have, I think we managed to get like a pretty great ensemble sound uh, it really feels like we're playing together and part of that is because we recorded it um all together you know there was no there was very little overdubbing no overdubbing of the solos everything is just with us you know isolated as much as we can looking at each other through little windows and trying to communicate as much <laughs> as possible so you're getting basically a live performance Oh, how incredible, especially after these couple of years where all of our recordings were in isolation. Yeah. I mean, what a cool experience. Oh, it was fantastic. It was recorded by my friend Billy Holting, who lives out in Van Nuys. He's a great, uh, like a Grammy award-winning percussionist. Um, mm. And uh, the album is going to be called Patience, and hopefully it will be on all the streaming services, again, like January, February. You should... Um, follow my website or follow me on Instagram at ngomezmusic if you want to find out more about that. Yeah, well, let us know when it drops. We'll have a party. Nice. <laughs> um, I'd love to dig uh, just a little deeper on artistic process and routine as a jazz musician. Here we have a medium or a platform that revolves quite literally around improvisation and creativity. But I know you are remarkably disciplined with showing up to L.A. jam sessions, uh, dedicating time to writing your charts, continued practice on things like tone and sight reading. What or who motivates you to keep this discipline going? Well, I mean, the main part of it is just 
a love of this music. It's something that I just fell in love with over the years, I, I guess, you know, um, it was, I guess part of it was the people that I met, you know, who would invite me, like I would meet musicians like, um, Josh Welches, who teaches jazz at UC Riverside, who I've been playing with since I was a teenager. I mean, he heard me practicing and heard how sad I was, you know, like (laughs) how bad I was. And he was like, Hey, you should start coming with me to jam sessions and would encourage me to go out to Los Angeles and play with these world-class musicians just because he loves the music so much. And he, if he could see that somebody else loved it, he wanted them to also be part of that community. So that's a big part of it too, you know, community, you know, it's why I continue to like put on events and invite people to them or, you know, try to put together sessions where all my friends will just get together and play tunes for free or, you know, try to go out to jam sessions because it feels like a family, you know, that, um, you know, that just loves spending time with each other. And honestly, none of us are doing this for the money because (laughs) there's no money in it, you know, so we're just doing it because we love it. And, uh, you know, as far as the discipline part of it, you know, to be a good jazz musician, you've got to, once again, love the music. And so I'm tr- what I'm trying to do is love the music the way it deserves to be loved, you know, and that involves, you know, really working on my ears, um, making sure I'm able to, you know, be in the moment and improvise and, you know, speak the language of the music. Um, I love checking out the recordings and I love, you know, learning to play what's on the recordings um so that that's kind of what keeps me going into the practice rooms is because i want to you know the more i practice the better i get the better it feels when i get together with other people mm-hmm. yeah just setting up for that experience hours and hours and hours for those moments that we're you know with each other in an ensemble and making it happen yeah That's cool. So we're doing this interview in the studio of KVCR, where you learn something new every day. And you are obviously a lifelong learner. Can I ask what you're learning right now? What am I learning right now? Uh, Well, I just finished this album. So right now I'm taking a little bit of a break from thinking (laughs) about jazz. Yeah. You know, but, uh, you, you know, so I guess that's a good point, though. You know, I'm I'm once again kind of taking a break from the jazz thing because I've just been had two non-stop days of just worrying about all that stuff so what I'm kind of trying to do is you know get back into my doubles which is another big thing you know when I get called to play with Pontra Sanchez you know sometimes they'll stick a chart in front of you that just says flute and <laughs> and they're like one two one two three four and it's just you know you got to be able to do as a woodwind player you've got to be able to play multiple instruments so I've been really shedding my flute and clarinet at least for the past week, you know, just trying to get my chops back up on that. You know, playing on in tune on one instrument doesn't mean that you can just play in tune on all of them. So <laughs> Darn, if it was only so easy. <laughs> yeah. So right now it's about, you know, fixing all of my problems on those. On your doubles. Yeah. Cool. All right. Well, um, I've got a couple of rapid fire questions. If you're privy, we can just go through these sure. um, in a word or two. Uh, the first one is, who inspires you, musician or non? I'll say this, my um, first musical inspiration was my parents, and not because either of them played a musical instrument, they didn't, um, actually nobody in my family really did uh, before me, but um, they love music, you know, and the music that they would always listen to was like, um, we called it oldies, but it was really everything from like the 60s and 70s, um, specifically like uh, R&B and soul music and stuff like that, so... That was the music I grew up listening to. It was the first music that I like learned how to play by ear. Um, the first solos that I transcribed were by Carla Santana. <laughs> nice. And um, uh, you know, so that was that was my inspiration, really, and it continues to be my inspiration a lot. A lot of what I do today is based on that. That's beautiful. Who do you listen to when you're driving? Um. Uh. You know. It's hard for me to listen to jazz while I'm driving because I start trying to like analyze it and then I get distracted. So uh, when I'm driving, I'll try to listen to kind of anything but, um, you know, 
I there's a lot of music I play in this band um, it was in my bio there I play with this band called Cold Duck which has been around since 1969 so they're like a top 40 band but we play a lot of stuff like disco and funk stuff from the 70s and they've start they started playing all those songs when they were brand new you know when they were on the radio for oh the first time oh my gosh how fun so uh, I've got a lot of music to learn about from them you know so a lot of my you know when I'm driving around I'm going back and checking out you know these albums from back in the day and trying to get from as familiar with them as those guys are that is really cool um, for our friends who don't necessarily listen to a whole lot of jazz but are interested in getting into it where would be a good place to start um, you you know what uh, one of the things that I one of the first things that I tell my jazz history class is that jazz is a music about both like the intersection of tradition and innovation right both of those things are crucial to jazz so you want to learn about the tradition part like go to go check out like the um, Ken Burns documentary mm. on jazz and every time you see them talking about how good such and such person was Art Blakey and the Jazz Messengers John Coltrane Sonny Rollins, go look that person up and just listen to the top stuff that pops up, you know, and see what you think about it. And then, you know, when it comes to later stuff, you know, check out, you know, just, I mean, I don't know, go on Spotify and see what they're playing. Like a lot of the new innovative stuff is about mixing jazz and soul and hip hop and funk and things like that. So, you know, obviously those things are going to be like are immediately going to grab onto our taste because it's what we're listening to right now. Totally. Um, all right, next up, what's your favorite thing to cook? What is my favorite thing to cook? Um, you know, I I got to say it's any Mexican food, you know. Nice. Tacos, <laughs> burritos, whatever, you know. I have I have suffered from my tacos. I'm still missing a little piece of my thumb from, <laughs> you know, <laughs> chopping, you know, vegetables and things. Uh, the things we do for love. <laughs> the sacrifices that are made. That's awesome. And then finally, do you have a favorite rock band or hip-hop group? Do I have a f- Okay, yeah. Um, well, I don't know... You know, when I'm teaching history of rock and roll, I kind of end up talking about, like, soul and funk and stuff like that because all of that really plays into. So if I got to say my favorite quote-unquote rock band, it's always been this band called War, you Mm. know, which they do everything. They do Latin music and funk and, you know, again, soul ballads and straight-up rock. Like, that's that's one of my favorite bands of all time, especially the way that they existed in the 1970s, which, you know, those guys aren't, a lot of those guys are not in the band anymore, but, um, and as far as like hip hop stuff, I mean, my favorite rapper is still Redman. you know, um, I'd love the way that he uses rhythm, you know, and just the kind of like aggressive, the aggressive way that he kind of like approaches stuff. And, that his music is not dressed up with too much like extracurricular stuff. It's just a good beat and like really ridiculously good rhymes and rapping and and funny and like a you know humor. Yeah. Oh, that is awesome, Nick Gomez. Thank you so much for coming with us uh, into the studio to chat about um, jazz and thank you for all that you are doing for jazz in the Inland Empire. We super appreciate it. Thank you. Uh, like I said. Get in touch with me if you got questions or you want to talk or you want to just like hang out or whatever. Like I love people who love music. So ngomezmusic at gmail.com. Just send me an email. Nice. And what's your website again? ngomezmusic.com. Awesome. Thanks, Nick. Thank you. We're going to take a quick break. I'm Margaret Worsley. Stay with us for more jazz on Musically Speaking, as we'll be talking with jazz pianist Josh Nelson.
You're listening to Musically Speaking on 91.9 KVCR. My name is Margaret Worsley, and I'm Associate Professor of Music at San Bernardino Valley College, talking today with Josh Nelson, jazz pianist, composer, and band leader. Josh Nelson has performed with some of the most respected names in jazz, including Kurt Elling, John Pizzarelli, Benny Golson, Sheila Jordan, Jeff Hamilton, Dave Cause, and Peter Erskine. He toured with legendary vocalist Natalie Cole for six years and continues to tour with vocalists Gabby Moreno, Frida Payne, and others. Mr. Nelson has taught jazz at Soka University as well as Cal State University Northridge and has recently been hired on faculty at USC. Go Trojans! In 2006, Josh Nelson was a semifinalist in the prestigious Thelonious Monk International Jazz Piano Competition. Josh Nelson has released several jazz albums, all of which are fantastic, with another on the way, which will tell us more about in a little bit. Josh performed with his jazz quartet in the Auditorium of San Bernardino Valley College on September 10th as part of the San Bernardino Symphony's Offshoot series, and boy was that an incredible night for everyone who was able to listen and experience his jaw-dropping musicianship. I'm thrilled he could take a little time from his busy schedule to join us today. Josh Nelson, thanks so much for being here. Oh, totally my pleasure, Maggie. (laughs) Thank you for having me. Yes, of course. Let's start off with just a little background. You're calling in from Los Angeles, and I believe you're a born and raised SoCal boy. Where about in Southern California are you originally from? Yeah, I'm a proud native of the Southern California era. Yeah, born in Long Beach. Spent a lot of time growing up around there, but also uh, Simi Valley, where my folks settled, which is Ventura County, just outside LA County. And um, it sure changed a lot since the 80s and 90s when I was growing up there. There wasn't a lot there, but uh, that's that's kind of where I'm from. It's just local. Yeah. And I stayed here and and I love it. I love I love California. It's definitely my home. That is awesome. And we hear that in your music, too, which is great. Um, We'll talk more about some of your projects in a second, but I just want to ask how it started. What originally hooked you on getting into the genre of jazz? Well, when I was about 11 years old, I started playing trumpet in the local Simi Valley High School band. And the jazz program there kind of got me fired up. But at the same time, I was taking piano lessons and getting excited about music in general. So between those two things, that those were kind of prime moving events for me. But also my grandfather, my mom's uh, father, who had moved out with his wife from New York in the 40s, was a big music fan. He was a doctor, but he was uh, a wonderful pianist and a lot of music in our family on that side of the family and he would play recordings of people like Oscar Peterson, Mm -hmm. Leonard Bernstein, Andre Previn when I was a young boy so I got to hear some of that music and I saw his passion for that and that kind of helped fuel (laughs) my passion as well so when there's family that support it and uh, get you into lessons and share their love for the music and of course me being receptive to it. it seems like a good recipe for uh, you know, a possible career in music. So that's that's kind of how I got into jazz. That's awesome. I love that sometimes that informal training can be some of the most profound influence that we have in our lives. Absolutely. So the Saturday concert here at Valley College um, as part of the San Bernardino Symphony mm. series was absolutely incredible. For those who were not there, can you talk a little bit about who you brought onto stage and how that show was conceived? Yeah, this was a... Uh, uh, a wonderful event that I kind of brainstormed a bit with your wonderful conductor, Anthony Parnther, who I just think is an absolute is. genius and very well-spoken, incredibly knowledgeable guy. And um, he said, let's do something with Ellington's music. And I said, well, I love Ellington, but I love the man who is kind of behind Ellington, Billy mm-hmm. Strayhorn. And in the jazz world, we all know who he is, but If you're not in jazz music, you might not have ever heard Billy Strayhorn's name because Ellington seemingly got a lot of credit for a lot of the music that he wrote that actually Billy Strayhorn composed or co-composed with Ellington. So it was a treat to get to pick music for this performance and have a chance to bring out some of my very talented friends from L.A. and New York who I've worked with off and on for years. Uh, But it had been some time since I had seen them, so this was a, a really wonderful reunion for us, not just for the music, but as friends. Uh, so it's it was a real pleasure. And it was vocalist Michael Mayo, tenor saxophonist Daniel Rotem, bassist Anna Butters, 
and drummer Christian Human. And they all play with big acts. You might not recognize their names yet, but watch out for these people. Uh, they're just taking the jazz and music world by storm. So uh, yeah, it was it was kind of a an overview of some of my favorite Strayhorn and Ellington pieces, some lesser known gems, uh, some you know, some of the big hits. Of course, his famous song "Take the A Train," which was his kind of anthem and uh, all kinds of little moments and nooks and crannies that we explored in their music. It was really quite a thrill for me. It was so evident that you guys were all having a blast making music together. (laughs) Um, And it's really beautiful. It's a beautiful aspect of being a musician, right? To to get to collaborate with our friends. Do you plan most of your projects around people or does the music come first or is it a little bit of both? Very good question. Um, Ellington was actually known for writing music specifically for his humans (laughs) in the band knowing their strengths knowing their weaknesses he would always write their names Mm -hmm. on their parts individual parts and i've since adopted that and uh it's the most natural way to me to convey music to an audience um when you have people that you trust on the bandstand with you um, that are excellent artists in a uh, side man supporting role but also great Mm -hmm. leaders um, so yeah, it's very important to me. In fact, any gigs I, I do as a leader, I try to make sure I have my team, quote unquote, because they just know you, they know you as people, they know your music inside and out. And, um, that was that group from that night. We, we all played a lot at a club that just recently closed, uh, in downtown Los Angeles called Blue Whale. And we're really mourning the, the loss of this club. It was kind of the center for modern jazz for over a decade in Los Angeles. And, those musicians that helped me that night were all part of many performances at Blue Whale over the years. So it was a little bit of a Blue Whale reunion as well as a celebration of Ellington and Strayhorn with the San Bernardino Symphony. That is so cool. Uh, we are, we're all mourning the Blue Whale. Mm. I mean, people schlep out, would, would schlep yeah. out from San Bernardino um, just to hear, because it was just incredible, um, an incredible venue with incredible artists. Um, I'd love to hear a little bit about your experience as Natalie Cole's pianist. Can you describe a bit of that time of your career and what did you learn from her? Definitely one of the highlights of my career. I mean, I, I, I don't even know where to start. I, I learned about accompanying someone who has a history and a legacy that is greater than anyone I had ever worked with. Because it wasn't just Natalie's career. It was also the the weight of her father's career. And, you know, she, she was a unique artist, unto, you know, separate from her father. But you couldn't really separate them in a lot of ways because so much of Natalie's jazz repertoire was literally Nat's repertoire, which was, you know, fantastic. So I felt like I was getting a little bit of a twofer, <laughs> twofer deal, you know. I'm playing with Natalie, and I'm, I'm also hearing a lot of the songs that her father made famous. We would always play Unforgettable, of course, that, that duet that came out in the early 90s, and Smile, you know, these tunes that her dad had made famous. And... Um, just getting, you know, one of the most important things to me with Natalie was getting some time alone with her. We would do some gigs, just her and I, once in a while. And those were really special because she wasn't in her full band mode. She was kind of relaxed, and we were just having fun. And she'd tell me stories about Charlie Chaplin showing up to their house in Hancock Park and hand-delivering the score to Smile to her dad. And Uncle Frank Sinatra and Aunt Ella Fitzgerald coming over, just popping over, you know. <laughs> That's amazing! So, like just looking in her eyes and seeing her dad mm-hmm. through them and you know I'm such a fan of Nat King Cole and his not only great vocalizing but his wonderful piano playing yeah. so it was a joy um, her health was not good when I started uh, she uh, did get a kidney transplant the year I started with her and she got supercharged with energy so the those next three or four years we were touring all over the world and I got to play some incredible shows with her. Um, I learned, I'd say one of the biggest things I learned was to be a more flexible accompanist mm-hmm. at the piano. I have my background in jazz, but I didn't really know about Natalie's R&B soul gospel catalog. So I got an education in that part of her music. Um, and she would admit that she was a rocker. <laughs> she was a rock and roller. She, you know, jazz was her uh-huh. dad's music which was at the time pop music, of course, right? <laughs> but she she loved, you know, Jefferson Airplane, and she loved Joni Mitchell and Bob Dylan, and, and she loved covering songs by Sting. I remember we were doing some Sting songs near the end, and 
So she had a wide-ranging palette. I think people were quick to kind of put her in a box, but she loved a lot of different types of music and sang it all really well. This will be an everlasting love. This will be the one I've waited for. This will be... Yeah, I, I just, I treasure my time with her, which feels like a long time ago now because I was a little younger. And yeah, it was very special and great band. They were fantastic. And um, it's going to be hard to top that part of my oh, career. Oh, wow. <laughs> that is so special. And yeah. what a, what an, an amazing um, yeah. part of history, music history, that you're a part of, just having that right. experience with her. That's, That's amazing. Right. You know, that era that... Those singers from that era that, you know, are still championing the Great American Songbook, there's mm-hmm. not that many mm-hmm. anymore left, you know? So I feel like she was part of a, a bygone era. And there's, you know, of course, Lady Gaga is doing stuff with Tony Bennett, Michael Buble. We still have Harry Connick Jr. You know, there's names that are still keeping this music moving forward and keeping it in the ears of the public. But um, there was only one Natalie, you know? So, oh, that was so know. special. Mm, I agree. Thanks, Maggie. It's um, it's such a thrill to hear that you are an educator because the best in the field should be teaching and should be sharing that brilliance. Um, let's talk <laughs> about your role as a jazz educator. How's your gig at USC going so far? <laughs> Great. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, thanks for asking. I just started, uh, so I just finished my third week, and it's fantastic. Uh, of course, a world-class, incredible music program, not just for jazz, but for film scoring and classical music and all genres. It's just quite the uh, university. I have a lot of friends that teach there, and um, there's some legends on the faculty. We have incredible arranger-composer Vince Mendoza has been on staff there for years. Uh, my cohort piano players, Atmaro Ruiz, an incredible Colombian piano player, uh, Alan Pasqua. I mean, these are just incredible artists and so to be associated with it is is a a a high compliment for sure and the the level of students is just blowing me away they're just so talented and fantastic and hardworking, and i'm just thrilled thrilled to be part of that uh part of that well i'm sure they're thrilled to have you um that is it goes both ways (laughs) thank you so jazz isn't getting any younger well, none of us are getting any younger, Well, we won't go there. Um, but what kinds of approaches do you live by and teach by to keep jazz relevant? To me, as I move through my career, primarily being a jazz artist, I'm noticing a few things. One big one is that in Los Angeles on the West Coast, there is no shortage of desire from young people to get into jazz or to study it or to perform it or make a career out of it and then branch out into other genres or what have you. So that engine is moving and the academic part of it is also in place. Where we're having trouble is where a lot of people might expect, venues and audiences. Typically, the audiences are older. Um, There's a lot of interesting clubs in LA right now that are trying some different things with different kinds of quote-unquote jazz artists that are not what people think of as jazz necessarily. And I feel like therein lies a little bit of an answer for us is how to keep this music moving forward. It's hard to just say jazz is one thing. It's a bigger umbrella. It's improvised music. It's creative music. It's storytelling. So any different way to approach this music, I think, is welcome in 2022 moving into future years. And I think festivals are trying that too. They're having younger broader um, jazz acts um, that have a different kind of audience, you know, maybe some overlap into R&B and experimental music, ambient music. I was just at the Hollywood Bowl Jazz Festival. Uh, It used to be called the Playboy Jazz Festival, but since Hugh Hefner passed away, they've Mm. changed the name. And it was a really good cross-section, a really excellent representation, I feel like, of where jazz is headed with bands like Mm -hmm. The Roots. It It was just very diverse. And I feel like that's something that jazz wants to feed off of is that diversity you know people from all walks of life all sexualities all colors doesn't matter and the genres i think need to kind of blend together a little bit within jazz to, to keep audiences coming together keep the music keep the music flowing the doors open obviously the economy of music has changed very much as as far as recorded music and how people buy music now 
So that's a challenge that we're all just navigating together and trying to figure out how to keep that moving. You know, when you're only paying fractions of a penny for a streaming moment on Apple or Spotify, that artist had to pay, you know, upwards of 10, 20, 30,000 dollars on their own to make mm -hmm. an album. And it's very often not recouped. So there's other ways to do it, and not trying to be negative about it at all, but there are many challenges that are facing independent artists, not just in jazz, but across the board. So I think multimedia approaches are interesting. I've, I have a project called Discovery Project, which is narratives with storytelling and visuals and music. So you're engaging the audience in a visual component way in, instead of just orally. And I've had some success with that. So I think it's just being creative and being open and sharing all kinds of pieces of this genre with, with the audience and not just one version of what jazz is. You know, I think if that's the approach, it's not going to last. It needs to, it needs to stay fresh. It needs to stay vibrant. And moving. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And, and it's interesting, too. I'm yeah. just thinking of Kendrick Lamar's um, Pulitzer Prize winning album, Damn, and all of the jazz influence in yep. that album. That's a perfect example of an artist who is utilizing jazz elements and colors and reaching a far bigger audience. Yeah, in a lot of and, ways. and great example, Kendra. Yeah, Lamar. and you're right mm -hmm. about the streaming. I mean, that's not sustainable right now for musicians. So I do hope we can figure that out sooner than later. Speaking of albums, <laughs> let's chat about your upcoming album. Can you spill all the deets? Who's involved? Is there a theme? And when and where can listeners go to hear it? Yes, absolutely. Thank you for bringing it up. So at the same time that Blue Whale was thriving in L.A., we sprouted <laughs> another jazz club at, right at the entrance to L.A. International Airport. Kind of a weird location, but it's a great little cocktail bar called Sam First, S-A-M First. And it's a cozy little environment wonderful jazz club probably one of the best in LA if not Southern California wow. Sam first uh, hosts music most nights of the week incredible artists from all over uh, it's now has international appeal there's touring artists coming through there it's just a wonderful wonderful spot the owner is Paul Solomon he's a great kind of philanthropist and business owner really a great guy and he decided to start a record label called Sam first records it's in partnership with an entity called ArtistShare, and that is a platform that is crowdfunding uh, for artists and albums. So this is part of that kind of mold. So we're in the process of raising money for it. Um, they have four projects that they've recorded. I was the second. So if everything goes as planned, it'll be out in the spring of 2023. Don't have a certain date yet, but I kind of decided to compose an album of material Volume two of an album I did back in 2017 called The Sky Remains, which looked at the past, present, and future of Los Angeles from people, places, events, lesser known occurrences, transportation around the city, droughts and floods. I looked at a lot of different themes on my hometown, general hometown. <laughs> so I thought I'd do another kind of extension of that. So we're calling it LA Stories Live at Sam First. And I look at some more themes. Um, Vocalist Gabby Moreno is incredible, if for those who don't know her, she's just something else. Look her up, Gabby Moreno. She sings a song about a local original California bandito named Tiburcio Vasquez, who is kind of like LA's original Robin Hood. In fact, the character of Zorro is based on no Tiburcio way. Vasquez. Yeah, and I learned about a lot of these stories through this great podcast called Hidden History of Los Angeles. It's free. It's on podcasts, you know, wherever you find your podcasts. And this historian, Robert Peterson, gave me so many wonderful ideas, and I kind of just started turning them into songs. So I have a song about the old red car trolleys uh, that used to crisscross around the Southern California yeah. landscape. Called, it's called Red Car Reminiscing. I have a song about Travel Town, which is our cool old train museum. Uh, I have a song that was a supposedly Walt Disney's favorite song that was ever composed by the Sherman Brothers, Feed the Birds, from the movie, 60s film, Mary yes, Poppins. Yes, I love that song. And I did an oh. arrangement of... Yeah, me too. I know, I did an arrangement on that. And I grew up uh, the son of a Disney Imagineer. My father, John, uh, helped develop attractions for um, oh Disney gosh. parks. So that was yeah. pretty cool. Yeah, so I have some... Very cool connections in the, you know, history of the Southland. Of course, grandparents who worked in aerospace, like a lot of a lot of them did mm -hmm. back then. So that's the theme. And then we have also 
incredible uh, saxophonist, tenor saxophonist, Walter Smith III, uh, joined us from Boston on this one. Um, uh, excellent Italian bassist Luca Alamano is on uh, bass duty, and my good friend Dan Schnell's on drums, and uh, the wonderful Larry Kuntz, K-O-O-N-S-E, fantastic guitarist. He's uh, uh, handling the guitar duties, and that's the band, and uh, it'll be coming out on vinyl yes. record, actually. I'm looking forward to that. We just finished mastering for that, and putting together liner notes and all that other fun stuff now. So people, if they're interested in donating for the project, and there's all these cool levels of involvement, so you could spend 50 bucks, you could spend 150, 300, you get different things, right? You can get private concerts, you can get lessons, you can get signed autographs of vinyl and, and sheet music and all kinds of fun stuff. They just need to go to samfirstrecords.com samfirstrecords.com and you'll see all the projects up there and you just click on mine and uh, you can learn more about it and uh, how you can get involved with it that is yeah. so awesome I love that vinyl is making a comeback and um, and, yeah. and this creativity with crowdsourcing and everything else it's, I, I just can't wait to hear this album so do keep us posted absolutely thank you yeah I haven't done a crowdfunding album in a long time so I'm, I'm kind of learning that uh, and um it's, it's neat. It's, it's got its own community and network, and Artist Share is a wonderful platform for artists to do that on. But uh, yeah, we do need help to get it finished because, like I said, albums are expensive. <laughs> <laughs> they are. Yeah, many, many yeah. hands make life works. <laughs> yeah, so, right. as part of the show, mm -hmm. we've got kind of a rapid fire section if you're privy. Okay, sure. the first one is Who inspires you, musician or non? Mm, Herbie Hancock. Oh, classic. Um, <laughs> what are you learning these days? That's good. Um, I'm learning about um, physics at the moment. I'm taking a Great Courses uh, CD course on um, kind of the basics of physics. That's something I'm just checking out at the good moment. Good for you. That's so cool. <laughs> um, who do you listen to when you're driving? Oh, that's hard. Um, I listen to so many artists, of course. Uh, one of my favorites is um, Sakamoto, Ryochi Sakamoto, the mm -hmm. film composer. He's done some really interesting albums. This one I really love called Out of Noise, and one called um, Playing the Piano. They're very cool, kind of ethereal and uh, thematic kind of records. I'm also a big fan of this <laughs> comedian and uh, radio guy who's no longer on radio, but he has a podcast now. You might know him. His name is oh. Phil Hendry. He's a voiceover guy. He's an actor. He has fake callers, these fake guests, and he kind of throws his voice, and he's just so <laughs> talented and gets people riled up and has a lot of fun. So Phil Hendry is kind of my go-to when I don't want to ha have music yeah, on all the time. Yeah, that's fun. Um, for our friends who don't necessarily listen to a whole lot of jazz but are interested in getting into it, yeah. where do you think would be a good place mm. to start? I mean, some of the really important records that came out in the late 50s, I still reference all the time, whether it's to somebody who doesn't know a lot or there's students who are still studying the music. The two that come to mind that are well-known, but might not be well-known to everybody, are Miles Davis' mm -hmm. Kind of Blue, uh, 1959, and Dave Brubeck's Time Out, 1959 as well. There were many albums that year. John Coltrane released Giant Steps. That was a huge record for him. Horace Silver had some records come out, Ornette Coleman. Late 50s into the 60s was a great place to start. Um, but if people are interested in maybe getting into jazz through vocals, which is a nice place to start as well, you know, the classics. I mean, Ella Fitzgerald, Frank Sinatra, and really anything by them. Um, I'm also a big fan of Carmen McRae and Sarah Vaughan. I think those are wonderful introductions to the jazz world. Yeah, so I would go back into history. Um, if it was a, a current artist, um, that's that's a really good question. I, I, I might start with somebody like Michael Mayo, who was our singer uh, with the San Bernardino Symphony. He's just got one foot in the old tradition and one foot in the modern, you know, looking forward kind of place, like Kendrick Lamar um, or Common or some of these other artists that have jazz elements. So Michael Mayo is somebody to watch. He's got great recordings and he's always producing content. Um, and somebody that maybe might fall under the jazz kind of larger umbrella who's uber talented that maybe some of your listeners know is Jacob mm -hmm. Collier. Uh, he's really um, doing a lot for just high quality music and showing that it can be fun and educational. And actually the drummer who was with me at Saturday's concert, Christian Newman, has been playing dr drums on the road with Jacob for years oh, now. Cool. 
So I, I stole them away from Jacob <laughs> to play with me. Just for a night, though. It's okay. Yeah, those would be some names that come to mind that might that might uh, ignite uh, a love well, for the music. Well, thank you. That's an incredible playlist. I, I know I'm putting them on, on my queue. Yeah. Oh, thanks. <laughs> um, what's your favorite thing to cook? Oh, pasta. Mm-hmm. Hands okay. down. All types of pasta. <laughs> yeah, I'm just a huge Italian food fan. Pizza, pasta, you know. I'm not a big meat eater, but I love I love my carbs. So don't take my carbs away <laughs> we from won't. me. We won't. I won't. Don't worry about it. I'll join you. If you, if you yeah. cook it, I'll eat it. <laughs> yeah, would you? And a good glass of red yeah, wine. Yeah, of course. Right? You have to. Simbatico. Mm. <laughs> um, do you have a favorite rock band or hip-hop group? Rock band, for sure. I mean, I, I love the music of mm. Bon Iver. I really love their sonic kind of stuff they do. I also love... Um, Oh, there's, I mean, current, yeah, I'd say Bon Iver is one of my top ones. And, you know, going back um, to, or grew up listening a lot to um, Joni Mitchell and Paul Simon, and I'm a huge Stevie Wonder fan, so those are, you know, some older names. Of course, they're all still with us. Yeah, I'd say if I put on a, a current rock record, Bon Iver is one of my favorites. I just love their stuff. That is so fun. Josh Nelson, you're a star and a total inspiration. I think... <laughs> Thank you so much for sharing your music with us today. Thank you for these wonderful questions and excellent uh, discussion. I've really enjoyed it, (laughs) Maggie. We'll hopefully have you back so we can deep dive into Billy Strayhorn next. Yes, I'd love that. To learn more about Josh's music, you can visit joshnelsonmusic.com, where his social media handles are also available. Thanks for joining me for this month's show. You can listen to Musically Speaking on streaming platforms, including iTunes, Spotify, Apple, and Google Podcasts. We'll include links to both the websites of Josh Nelson and that of Nick Gomez when we post this program to our website on kvcrnews.org forward slash Musically Speaking. And I do hope you'll join us next month on the fourth Saturday and following Monday for our next episode of Musically Speaking. I'm Margaret Worsley. Thanks for listening.